0: Welcome to Beyond the Bench. We are excited today to have Coach Brandt with us today. Everyone, uh, I've had the opportunity to uh, to work with Coach Brandt now probably over the last, what, about 10 years, Coach? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, he has been uh, a great resource for me um, in working with our coaching staff and with our Student Athletic Advisory Council. And uh, we're excited to have him here with us today. So. Coach Brandt, thanks for being with us.
1: I'm really glad to be here. I'm excited and, and uh, it's been a long time. You got a great following. I love your podcast. I'm glad to yeah, finally be
0: thank on. you. Yeah, so just a brief introduction here. I don't know if Coach needs one or not, but uh, Coach Brand's experience and success in building or real building programs from losing programs to championship status is probably without question one of his areas of expertise. And one of the reasons we really got together Um, in my time um, at Newton. And uh, he's had the ability to now focus on delivering the concepts and processes and procedures, which are good for us athletic administrators, that have helped him have winning programs over the last three decades. And that's with coaches, athletic departments across the country. He has worked with a number of athletic departments, including my own, coaches from small high schools to large high schools, to large colleges, on topics from practice efficiency, communication and clarity, uh, voluntary buy-in, championship mindset, and recruiting, and of course, much much more. So uh, excited to have him with us today, and uh, you know, again, just an honor to have you with us and with our and to share your expertise and knowledge with all of our athletic administrators. I think we're in for a treat today. So we'll start off today, coach, by tell us just a little bit about your journey and your career and and where you are today and how all those experiences you've had, you know, throughout your career has basically brought you to where you are today and and how you're able to help athletic departments and coaches from across the country. Yeah, sure.
1: Um, Well, that's quite an introduction. Thank you very much for that. That was great. Um, uh, You know, I knew from a very young age that I was going to be involved in athletics. Um, I had hoped for my entire life. And uh, as most uh, young athletes, I definitely wanted to be a professional athlete. I wanted to, uh, you know, be uh, at the pinnacle of, of the sport. And um, unfortunately, you know, some can and some can't. And, uh, you know, I, I wound up with multiple knee surgeries and uh, some things that I, I realized that Um, I wasn't going to be able to be that superstar athlete for decades on end. So I I really took a lot of my uh, focus and my energy and I put it into understanding how to coach, how to communicate, how to build and develop and and what was going to make things work for athletes and programs. And uh, I was real fortunate. You know, I got my start young. Uh, I was a junior high uh, football coach at 19 years old. Oh, wow. And I know it sounds junior high football, yeah, whatever but it was an experience that oh, yeah. taught me early on about development, about programs, about parents, about um, things that I needed to know. And, and that blossomed, you know I went from junior high to high school and I've coached in community college and um, NAI programs, Division one, division three. I, mean, I just been kind of the game international. Uh, took teams overseas uh, to, to Greece and Paris and I've uh, been on national coaching teams in a couple different states. So, um, you know, I, have really traveled the gambit of, uh, levels and experiences and, and talent levels with athletes. And, um, I ended up doing what I'm doing today because my wife <laughs> a phenomenal job opportunity. Well, I was actually the head coach at the university yeah, and we talked about it and I decided that my wife generally is, has always been smarter than me. And so I (laughs) took her advice and she had said on multiple occasions, why don't you do what you do with lots of people, not just one team, right? You've been, it's been proven time and time and time again, over decades that what you do with kids and athletes works, but you only get to work with a certain group of kids every year, every season. And yeah. so when, when we made the jump to let her, uh, expand her career, yeah. um, I, uh, jumped into the entrepreneurial space and started coaching coaches, athletes, and, and parents and administrators, uh, and, and just shared with them what I had done over the 30 plus years that had created state champions, state championships, collegial Americans, uh, college graduates, high school graduates, the whole thing. And it, it really took off. I mean, people were like, wow, I, I'm. I've thought about that guy, but now that it's on paper, now that it's in a system, now that it's something I can follow, I'm really excited to get that information. And so here we are.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you wrote the book, the missing link protocol, um, which I really enjoyed reading. I thought you had some great concepts, some great things that coaches and athletic directors for them to think about when they're trying to build those bridges with parents and, and you call it the secret to the coach parent partnership. And I love that you call that the partnership, but why did you write that book? And what was kind of the, what brought you to do that? Well, so over my career, I had some parent problems. and <laughs> As we all do.
1: We, we all, do. all, do. Everybody yeah, we all do. Yeah. And, you know, as an athletic director, I had parents in my office as a coach, I had parents in my office as, um, and all of my coaching colleagues had similar challenges. Mm-hmm. And, as of recent, and I'm talking the last ten years, yeah, it got way worse. Mm-hmm. The toxic nature of athletics. I mean, you. I mean, I, I, it's it's mind boggling to have the videotape of athletes attacking a referee, or the fight in the in the parking lot, and they had to make parents going after uh, officials a federal offense and things like mm-hmm. that. And I started to think about why is the, why is this happening. Everybody really wants the same thing. The parents want their athletes to be good and move on and play at the next level. The coaches want their athletes teams, to be good, move on, play. What's happening? And I, I was listening to a leadership conference and it just, it hit me. Yeah, You know, there's parents and coaches, the lines of demarcation, their, their responsibilities and their accountabilities are getting blurred. They're stepping on each other's toes and there's a power struggle and all this stuff is going on. And so I decided to dig into the science of people and communication and trust and development. And it really became clear what the parents were responsible for and what the coaches were responsible for. And that allowed me the opportunity to create a roadmap Mm -hmm. for the parents and the coaches to work together to create the best person athlete that you could which ultimately in the long run helps every athletic director because there's right. less problems and there's more harmony within the athletic department because there's less toxicity and less uh, of a battle between parents and coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. And it, and, and you talk about it in the book is just that having the, everybody be in the, the right, on the right lane, which I appreciate, you know, especially being a former coach and athletic director, right. but what, what do you feel? What are the things that, you know, you feel a parent, could do and should do to help support their athlete within, you know, the confines of whether it be high school, college, youth sports, I think that can be said for every level of sport.
1: Well, a couple things first, number one, parents have to realize that their job is to develop the, the personal traits of their athlete and of their child, really their child athlete. And when they develop those personal traits, It really gives them the greatest opportunity, the best shot of being a great athlete. Yeah. And this is something they need to do kind of, I believe, early on. You know, that's one of the things that I experienced as as a coach in the inner city was sometimes those kids don't have, you know, maybe two parents are working and the parents don't have as much time with the kids. And they didn't have some of these um, internal or personal individual traits. And so we had to spend our time that we were, as coaches, getting these personal traits to the kids so that we could train them, you know. And so um, that's really important to understand. So I believe, and in the book I talk about, the seven personal traits that parents need to be working on. And the number one is independence. Yeah. And this is a really hard one because to to let your kid be independent, you're going to have to let them fail. Yep. And I know that parents don't want their kids to feel emotionally uh, have any emotional pain or physical pain or feel like they're uh, not as good as the other athletes or whatever but you got to
0: teach them to be independent. You got to teach them to take on their own tasks. Yeah, now, how, and how important yeah. is how important is that too? I mean, it's I mean, we want to teach our kids life skills and right. you know what better way to do that through than through athletics? And and we always talk about let allowing people to fail so that they can succeed. And so I think that is I I think you're spot on with that. Well and I think
1: when you look from number one to number two, because number two in the book we talk about teaching them to be resilient. Mm -hmm. And so when you send them out there on their own and say, hey, you gotta handle this. Right. I need you to learn how to deal with this. And if they fail, which it's likely they're going to do when they're younger, then your job as a parent is to teach them how to recover and rebound. Yes. And you know, we're you didn't get the starting spot. I get it. I understand, but this is how we come back from that, yep. right? So you got to teach them independence and resilience, and then number three is character. And and there's a lot of definitions of character, but I just simply say it's doing what's right regardless of what other people are doing. Yep. You know, you want your, your you teach your kids to make good choices regardless of what's happening around them. You, you hear a lot about you know, uh, just because a lot of people are saying it's right doesn't make it right, right? You know. And you got to teach your kids that character piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Number four is self-esteem. And that's really just not letting other people dictate your emotions. Right. Teach them that they're enough. Teach them that they're good enough. Teach them that um, just because, you know, Coach X says something, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the way this thing is. You're a great child and um, you're talented and and you're good enough. Yep. And uh, then number five is self-discipline. Now, this is something that I think is really, it's really, it's tough sometimes to teach, but self-discipline really is doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done mm-hmm. and doing it like you love it, even if you hate it, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I mean, you got to get up and go to the weight room in the morning, okay? Yep. I know it's early. I know you had to get up and eat a little breakfast. I know you don't want to do it, but you have to teach them that that's self discipline. That's how you get ahead. That's how you do things. And you know, at some point, they're gonna to have to uh, install number one independence. They gotta get up and do it yep. on their own. You know, and it's just stuff like that. And uh, yep. self discipline is so important. Um, number six, parents need to teach empathy. Yeah. And and you you need the athlete to understand. How is, how is somebody else feeling right now? Yep. Right. You know, coach came in angry upset. He's having a, why is coach like, he's normally not like that. You right. know, why is our starting point guards kind of slacking today? I what, yep. If your first thing is what the heck's wrong with you? As opposed to, mm-hmm. man, Hey, are you okay? Is everything all right? Yeah. Those are That's monumentally different, yeah. That's you great. know, and it, it changes how you behave in practice. Yeah. Right. And and it'll change how you, you know, how you had the relationships you build on your team. And then seven is humility, right? You need to know that you don't know everything, you know, and I can't tell you as a college coach, Mm -hmm. this was a big one because you're bringing in kids from all over the country and you always hear the same thing. Well, my coach told me to, (laughs) I get it, I get it, you know. How about you just try this, think about you, yeah, and then if it works, yeah, and we'll just move down line. you got to know you don't know everything. you got to know that there's better ways to do things. And, and you got to teach your kids that that's how they learn. Yeah. And, and if you're going to put them in a club team, and then you're going to put them on a high school team, and then you're going to put them on a travel team, they're going to get lots of different coaching points, and they've got to understand how to listen, how to, to pull out what they need, And not always be on the defensive and say, no, it's not right. That's not what my dad said. That's not what my other coach said. You know, be humble, accept it, and learn from it. Yeah. You know? And outside of that, those are the seven things that we got in the book. Yeah. That parents need to teach their kids. But parents also need to provide emotional support. And this is tough because you want to be emotional support when you want to be emotional support as a parent. (laughs) Right, yeah. But you got to wait for the kid to ask you for emotional support. Yeah. Right. You don't need to jump in. It's all oh, commit. Let them be independent. Let them be resilient. You've built them into the yep. athlete. Let them be the athlete, you know. And, yep. and uh, another big piece at, in our company that we talk about is let the kids drive the train. Right. And <clears throat> my own personal story from this is my youngest son was a phenomenal wrestler. I was yep. really proud as a wrestling coach kid yep. was a stud. He was like, I mean, he only had a, you know, eight, nine losses in all of junior high.
0: Oh, wow.
1: But he's pretty dang good basketball player. Yeah, he was He was a very good basketball player. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I noticed that when I would come to junior high wrestling practice and say, Hey, let's stay after and work on a couple of things. It was pulling teeth. Yeah. But he would come to me and say, dad, you want to go to the Y and shoot some baskets? Mm -hmm. and i had to get in tune with that because he came to me one day and said dad what do you want me to do wrestle or play basketball yeah and i said i want you to do what you want to do he goes "Ah, i knew you'd say that but you really want me to wrestle right
0: (laughs) and and
1: i said here's what i can tell you
0: yeah
1: if you wrestle i guarantee we're going to win a lot yeah that's what i do for a living yeah if you want to play basketball I will support you. I'll buy yeah. you Gatorades and popcorn and, uh, get you to the camps and get you the best coaches I can. I'm going to facilitate everything I can for you, but I need you to want to do what you want to do because I don't want to have to pull you into right. practice. I don't want to have to force you right. to go do the things you need to do. Yeah. I needed, I needed him to drive the train and he yeah. became a phenomenal basketball player, six, five, uh, yeah. you know, player of the week, a yeah. just he did a great job. Yeah. And, uh,
0: and, and, and the next thing was being facilitated and, and, and I'll add this coat. He's a good yeah. kid. He's oh, a great. good kid. Number uh, number one, but despite all of his, you know, athletic accolades, just a great, I really enjoyed your, your son, just a great kid.
1: Yeah. He's, he's a great young man. And, and, uh, and I, I was really, it was fun to go watch him play mm-hmm. because he just, he just loved the game. Yeah. You know, he really did. And it yep. was fun to watch him. And, um, you know, and, and my next point was going to be be a facilitator, not a dictator, which yeah. is what I I facilitated camps. I facilitated stuff. I didn't really know what to coach him because I was a wrestling coach, not a basketball coach. And yep. so I, I had to facilitate things to help him get better. Right. And then um, be a role model. Yep. You know, you, you want your kid to complain to the referee every single time or do you want him to, you know, act like he's been there before? Right. You're the role model of how your kids, like they say to us as coaches all the time, your team rep resembles you as a coach yeah. Well, your kids resemble you as parents. So yeah. make sure you're role modeling the things that you really want them to look like.
0: Yeah, that's great, great stuff. So what, what do you feel are some good strategies for coaches to use when interacting with their, with their sports parents?
1: <laughs> I cannot stress the first of these three things. Yep. Transparency. Mm-hmm. If you are not transparent as a coach, you look like you have things to hide. Yep. And and it's all, there's always going to be somebody that brings up favoritism. It yep. happens in every sport yep. all the time, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. Even if you're not, somebody's going to bring it up. But if you have closed practices, if you won't talk to some parents, if you have things that... You, Aren't transparent, it looks like you have something to hide. Sure. And you're going to be guilty until proven innocent when that uh, nope. favoritism tag comes up. So be as transparent as you possibly can. And the one thing I, I had a, when I was an athletic director, I had a, a, a brand new softball coach, pitcher softball coach, and she was going to have her tryouts. And I told her, try and be as quantitative as you can,
0: mm-hmm.
1: number everything. Yep. you know try and have as much statistical evidence as possible because you you're you're going to cut girls yeah. you're not going you you're not going to be able to keep everybodys trying out and that was one thing she came to me and said that was the one of the best pieces of uh, pieces of advice I'd ever gotten because she cut a senior
0: hmm.
1: and she you know her her uh I think it was home to second base time was not what the other girls had or her, I mean, just, I mean, it's all of the statistical things. And she laid that down and it wound up in my office as an AD because the parents said, well, if I would have known you were going to cut people, I would have had her try out hard. Right. Which ultimately is why it came to me. And I just had to say, well, that's probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody say, because you're, you should have, they should try out hard all the time, no matter what. That,
0: that, that, but that's said all the time though, when you're in those situations, I've heard that more than once. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, but that the
1: quantitatively, she put that stuff out there at the beginning. And in the end, it really helped her out because she was transparent and she had stats. Yeah. Um, Number two, this is really hard for coaches because coaches are always on the defensive. They're always getting attacked and I get it. But when a parent comes in and and wants to have the, the conversation on whatever it is, listen to them don't listen to interrupt don't listen to interject don't listen to say anything listen and find out where the parent is right first Mm. they're not ever going to be completely wrong right that's never going to happen the parent has something that they're coming in that they're right about Mm -hmm. find that acknowledge where they're right and then start the discussion about what they're upset about sure that cools things down a little bit, gives them some perspective, and allows you to, to enter into that potentially tough conversation on a better note. Right. And, and finally, uh, don't take it personal. Yep. Parents are trying to keep their children safe from, from emotional pain. Mm-hmm. And it becomes extremely emotional. And it wouldn't matter if you were a Hershey's chocolate bar or the coach. They're mad about the because they think their kid is being hurt emotionally. Right. Yep. And, and they're they're firing in, man. They're coming in. And so it's 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 not personal with you. It's mm-hmm. personal with their child. Right. And another thing just to keep in mind is that most of these parents probably coach their kids. Yeah, And sometimes they don't look as smart or good as they used to when they were coaching the eight U baseball team and their kid was, you know, batting third playing short. Now they're sitting yeah. bench. So, you know, it's really not about you. And if you can not take it personal, you're going to find that most of these things are, are easily diffused and communicated in a way that you can, you can get the parent and the coach on the same page.
0: Yeah. So I have a follow up on that, coach. What What do you think are some things as you talk through, you know, transparency and and then, you know, just kind of acknowledging, you know, <laughs> what is good and then start the discussion. But then don't take it personal because I can honestly tell you as an AD, that was really hard for me not to take those discussions personal, because as a coach, as an AD. Your whole life is about those kids. And so when somebody tells you, hey, you're screwing this up and you're not doing it right, it's it's hard to. So what are some things that as ADs and coaches, we can kind of focus on in those situations where we don't maybe take that so personally because I I can put myself in that spot and know that gosh dang it, it it feels super personal and it and mm-hmm. and it's the way we perceive it though too. So Well, number one,
1: it's, it is perceived as personal because everything we do as coaches and athletic directors, I mean, it's our whole life. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're talking about being home. We get home late for dinner and have our wives or our husbands are angry because they cook dinner and now it's cold, right? (laughs) Right. And we're trying to say we're there helping the kids, you know, and we got a parent coming in going, you're not helping my kid. And yeah, you, you know, but I think if we go back to the concept of a try and find out where they're right. Yep. And, and, and even if we go back, even a couple uh, concepts earlier, humility, Mm -hmm. parents are trying to teach your kids humility, but coaches need humility too. Yeah. I don't know everything. No. And maybe, maybe this parent's going to bring something into me that I need to hear. That's going to make me better. Yeah. You know? And if I listen, and intently, and I listen to become better, I listen with humility, I'm going to probably hear something. go, Oh, yeah, you know what, I, I really want to take that under advisement. Yeah. Uh, but then if we come back with as possible, right? right. Uh, I talked a lot to my kids, we play a lot of baseball, we live in Arizona, about being the plus minus player, right? right? You know, my both my kids were catchers, and we, we had to talk about how many runs were they not allowing to cross the plate versus how many runs were they creating to the cross the plate offensively. There's yep. a defensive and an offensive component. And are, what type of plus minus player were they? Well, right. if they stopped two runs a game, throwing people out, not letting balls get by them, that type of thing. But they also hit in on average two runs a game. Well, they're a plus four player. Right. Now a parent comes up and says, I want to know why my kid isn't catching more. Well, I want to, here's the thing, Mm -hmm. you know, this kid right here, he's a plus four player. He stops two runs a game. He produces two runs a game that we're plus four in the runs category with this catcher. And your son is, is a plus one. Right. Or a minus two or whatever it is. Sure. That's really hard for the parent to argue. And now we're, what are we talking about? The athlete's skill set.
0: Right,
1: We're off of favoritism. We're off yep. of unfairness. We're off of all that stuff. We're off of plus four to plus one. And then the parent needs to say, well, what do I need to do to get to be a plus four player? Right. Coaches, you better be ready for developmental answers. Yep. And, I, and this is going to get off the track a little bit. Wow. But it's good. That's what this is all about. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you something, and this is really hard for a lot of people to hear. Yeah. Coaches. Coaches have a simple responsibility, and that is to develop athletic talent. Mm-hmm. That's our job. And we'll, we'll talk about that, I think, later in, in the podcast. But um, our job is to develop athletic talent. My job as a coach is to be an expert. In areas that are going to make my athletes better athletes. Mm-hmm. That's my job. Yep. And so when a parent says, Well, if, if my son's only plus one and he's got to be plus four or plus five, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And if your answer is, Well, get him a coach, go find a private coach somewhere, go get him a hitting coach, go get him a kid. Yeah, you know, you're you're really falling out of the responsibility of how your that kid needs to develop. What right. does he need to develop? Where are his skills lacking? Yep. maybe they still need to go get those private coaches, but for what, what are the specifics that this athlete needs to improve on? Right. Right. That's really, really important for coaches to understand. Your job is to develop the talent of athletes. I can't tell you how many coaches I know have extremely talented teams, but they can't seem to win the big one. Uh-huh. Right. Year after year, after year, after year, they might have winning records, but they're not winning the big one. Why? They're not developing their talent enough to to get over the hump and win the big thing. So, you know, and and take a look at the teams. How about, oh, I can't believe they won. Man, they were a huge underdog. Okay. What do you think the coach did? Coach is developing athletes, Right. Matt Campbell, Iowa State, Snyder, Kansas State. They made, they're making – Snyder made a career. Campbell's making a career of taking two three, or three-star athletes, turn them into four- and five-star guys, getting them uh, drafted in the NFL. Right, He's developing players. Yeah. And that's something that's really important is let's get the conversation off of I'm not doing my job with your athlete and you think I'm playing favoritism. Let's get that over to – Here's a quantitative answer. Yep. Right, your kid uh, loses the basketball. Uh, he, you know, he has three turnovers a game, scores six points a game, has two rebounds a game, and you want me to put him into a kid that has zero turnovers and scores twelve points and has uh, six rebounds? Right. You know, I, I, So that quantitative message is your your son or daughter needs to develop more skill. Sure. And don't come at me about being playing favoritism. That's personal. Yeah, that makes it personal. Sure. I'm going to shift that to a quantitative answer. And here's the problem: you better have one. Yep. If you don't have good statistics to back up your decisions, then you're then it's then it's going to be personal because you don't have the 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 statistical reference to say this is why I'm making the decision.
0: You can see that, right? Well, sure. yeah. I guess I really can't. Yep. You see? Yep, no, that's that's true. So here we're gonna sw- switch gears a little bit here, coach. Okay. If you could go back and talk to a young Tyler Brandt, what advice would you give him? And what would you tell him? Now wow. that you've gone through all this, gone yeah. through this career, what would you go back and say to your younger self? Um, and I always love this question. It's always really well, good. I- I would, there's three things,
1: uh, in my opinion that I would, I would do, um, potentially not necessarily in this order, but number one, uh, one of the things I know I would do is I would work more diligently on becoming an expert in techniques and tactics of my sport. Yep. Now, what I think happens is, is coaches oftentimes are decent athletes. And they get coaching jobs because they were decent athletes. And it's probably an assistant job or whatever. And they Mm -hmm. work their way up. But here's the biggest challenge of them all. Your coach taught you the way that coach's coach taught him. Right. But your coach's coach got taught by their coach. Your techniques potentially could be 40 years old. Yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah it's not that they're necessarily bad techniques, but they, most of the time they could use an update. Yep. Right. I don't see one coach rolling into practice in a horse and buggy. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we've up, we've updated a little bit, <laughs> right. you know, right. I don't see, I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody anywhere on the planet today with a blackberry that it's outdated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So technically and tactically, the strategies and the techniques you have to consistently update and upgrade what you taught last year. Hey, there may have been something that came out that was better mm-hmm. at, or upgraded, but you also need to think about your athletes. If you taught no, this last that's a year,
0: it's po- a great point right there. Yeah, if you taught
1: it last year that they need to advance, right? And maybe, maybe your you graduated three kids from, uh, your baseball team and the the makeup, the talent makeup of your team. You went from big bruising home run hitters. Now you got to play small ball. Yeah. Right. Uh, maybe you had three, uh, six, five, six, seven, six, eight kids on your basketball team. And now you got nobody over. Nobody's over six, five. You're going to have right. to play the game different. Yep. You, you, your offensive linemen were massive and power running. And now you got to get into the zone read game. Your athletes are always changing. And so you got to be an expert. Yeah. Technically, technically, you know, here's something else again uh, off topic just a titch but you always hear coaches talk about kids getting recruited yep well guess what why do you think they're getting recruited or leaving your program mm-hmm. it's because the kid and or the parents are both don't believe that they're being developed technically and tech, uh, tech, uh, strategically
0: mm-hmm.
1: to reach their full potential and, and maybe they think that they should be playing more or whatever. But if you're truly developing your athletes to the expert level of wherever you're coaching, junior high, high school, big school, small school, uh, community college, NAI, whatever, you're going to find that you're going to have a lot less issues with parents and <clears throat> your athletes leaving your program or, or moving around or whatever as well. Yeah. And so that's something that, you know, I, I know that I would I would definitely focus on. Uh, if I had to do it all over again. Yep. Um another thing, and you mentioned this earlier, is athletic communication. Mm-hmm. And this became a real big focus in my career once I got to the collegiate level because I as I said earlier, we're recruiting kids from all over the nation. And they come in and they have their own terminology. They are taught by a club coach and a high school coach and a travel ball coach, whatever. They're, they all these different coaches, their parents, and they have different names for different things, different ideas for different stuff. And then when you say something, they got this glazed look over their face and they're shaking their head yes, and they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Right. And then you, in your mind, you just taught them this thing, technique or tactic. Yeah. Then they go to practice, and guess what? They screw it up because they didn't have any idea what you were talking about. Right. Well, now you as a coach like, I just taught you this. What's wrong with you? Get out of there, Johnny. Get in there. Mm -hmm. Well, Johnny was in the program last year. He understand what you're talking about. And so now Johnny's doing it right. Right. Which one is the actually the better athlete? Don't know. Mm -hmm. But one of them understands it and one of them doesn't. Right. And that's the coach's responsibility. Not the athlete. The coach has to make sure that the kids know what he's talking about. If you leave it up to interpretation. The kids are only able to interpret it with the knowledge they have. Right. And that knowledge may not be enough to do what you want them to do. So, really focus on your athletic communication. And yeah. um, that also talks about attention span. And I'm telling you, I love my boy, Coach Abraham Johnson, but that dude loved to talk. <laughs> he would, he would, I mean, kids falling asleep every day after football practice while he's giving this, you know, nine minute monologue on whatever it was. And um, great coach, great person, but just too much talk. You yeah. got to learn how to shorten up what you're t- talking about, how to coach quick, teach fast, get the kids in, get them repping, no downtime. That's when they start poking and playing around. And that's a communication strategy as well. Yeah. And number three systems development that improve production and efficiency. Mm-hmm. And this is the one thing that I work on most with college coaches. Yeah. And that is progressive and integrated techniques. And I I work with coaches to do what I I call find the hidden reps. And if you if you understand how to build a system and number 1 is where you start, but you have to know number 1 to do number 2? Yep. Then when you're teaching number 2, they have to do the first thing you taught them to do the second thing you tell them. So number one is hidden. They don't really realize they're doing it because they're working. They're focused on rep number two. Yeah. Then when you jump into technique, number three, number one and number two are hidden reps. They they have to utilize those to get to the third part of it, but they're not thinking about it. They're just doing it. And so that's a system that really ingrains how they are, you know, their, their muscle memory and, And the way that they're doing things and the way that they're setting that into their their technique and and it becomes an unconscious technique that they're doing and they become way more productive and way more efficient, way more confident and their competitive output skyrockets It jumps through the rope, And that's something, I mean, I was, I was 15 years into my coaching career before I started working on athletic uh, systems development and it changed everything. You know, I, I took over a, I took over a wrestling program that, Well, I just wasn't very good at all. And we soared into the national rankings right away because of systems development and productivity and efficiency. So it makes a huge difference. And I wish I would have been taught that
0: in my first year because it would have changed everything in my coaching career. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, what do you think coaches should be doing with regard to student athlete development and partnering with parents? What is going to really turn that tide for those coaches in that parent relationship piece? well,
1: Number one, coaches need to talk to their parents about the responsibilities the parents have and understand that this is what my expectations of you are. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the technical expert and the tactical expert in this program. You're you're, going to see me develop your athlete with with technique and, and strategy so they can be the best athlete they possibly can be. Part of that's going to be, I'm also going to improve their sports specific IQ. If you're a baseball coach, you know, get their sports, their baseball IQ up. If they're a basketball player, their basketball IQ up. Make sure they understand the intricacies of the game, the nuances, not just how to shoot free throw, right, right? but when you're on the line and you're up by one and you make the free throw, what do you do next? Because your sport IQ is so high, you go to the right place. You don't make a mistake at that time. Yeah. Um, you're going to teach them work ethic. You're going to make sure that these kids understand how to work. They're going to, they're going to work themselves out of problems. They're going to work in the weight room. They're going to work in practice. They're going to be so confident because of how they work and they got that through your program and your coaching and your teaching uh, that, that they're always confident and they feel great about it. Teamwork. And I, yep. I'm kind of a goofy dude on teamwork, to be real honest <laughs> with you. Um, a, lot of, a lot of coaches will spend a lot of time on these really cute sayings, you know, we before me. There's no I yep. in team and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you. Kids are a little different today, Mm -hmm. you know, and if they don't have a a meaning for them, Mm -hmm. they don't really buy in as much anymore. Sure. So if you can, if you're a football coach or a baseball coach and you're working with a large number of kids on the field at one time, and you're telling them, I want you to do your job better then anybody else in the state can do this job right here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you go to the guy that's playing next to him and the player next to him. And you got 11 players focused on doing their job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Guess what? You're going to have a heck of a team. Yeah. Right. And that, that one play, everybody does their job. What's that look like? Looks like teamwork. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But how about this? How about one kid's late and the whole team runs? you got a whole lot of pissed off kids. <laughs>
0: yeah. They showed
1: up on time. They didn't do it wrong. They were dressed in the right clothes. They came, They worked hard. And that one kid didn't show up on time. So now I got to pay for that. I want to tell you something. I made that change. I made that change pretty early. Okay. I stopped making kids run as a team for somebody that did something wrong. I made yeah. that kid run. Right. And I want to tell you something. The impact that had on the team was far greater, yep. better than it ever was when the whole te- when the other team had when the whole team had run. The team chemistry was better. The, the kids know well if I get out of line, I'm going to get in trouble. Right? They made sure they were in line. They didn't want to get in trouble. They were in control of whether they ran extra or not. You want to talk about losing your locker room? You put 40 upset football players in the locker room with some kid that's the backup to the backup that showed up late. Yeah. That's not a good idea. (laughs) And so, you know, the teamwork aspect I think is more individual now, but as, as everybody starts doing their own thing and working together and they have this play happen together, then that teamwork starts to happen in my opinion. But yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of on the outside looking in on that sometimes. Um, Mental toughness, you know, that's, important for coaches to teach and that's not just physical yeah that's not just physical right and so mental toughness is you're facing a tough thing and you're you you're confident you can overcome it fourth I want to tell you as a as a head football coach and I know you're going to resonate with this yeah I probably broke more clipboards on third and nine <laughs> and they and they went for 11 <laughs> Then I did on anything else. Right. I mean, th- that is a mental toughness issue. Yeah. On third and nine, do your job, be tough. Don't let, I mean, y- y- you got a huge cushion here. Don't make a mistake here, but m- mentally they're nervous. There's anxiety. They're not yep. focused. And all of a sudden they give up 11 in a first down. And so yep. you really got to work on their mental toughness and get them confident. And part of that, to be honest with you mm-hmm. is athletes afraid of getting pulled or athletes afraid of getting screamed at or athletes afraid of whatever, if they feel comfortable and confident that they can go out there and they can do their job. If they make a mistake, yeah. it's not going to cost them their starting position. Sure. A lot of times they'll settle down and they'll perform it. Yeah. You know, um, number six, leadership capacity. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I see seniors ragging on freshmen to carry the water jet Mm -hmm. and all that does is create animosity yep if you want to build teamwork leadership work ethic championship programs your seniors should want to carry the water out yep they should want to be the leaders they should want to say this is how you do it Your, your your seniors should be in the weight room first right They shouldn't be strolling in 15 minutes late and then coach high fives and say, because you know, them better because they've been around the program longer. They should be first build leaders, build leaders. All right. And the last thing, and this is, this is such an important life skill and that's sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Sacrifice is simply, I'm going to give up something of great value right now for something of greater value later. Yeah. And when kids get that through their heads, that this might suck now, this might be painful now, this might not be what I want to do now, but it's really what's going to help me down the road. Mm -hmm. When you can get that into these kids' heads, that's when you're going to really see a, a marked jump in the production in your program. Because that you're not battling because you're not, I remember listening to, to a coach talk about, I can't get kids coming to come the weight room in the summer. Mm-hmm. Well, you haven't taught them sacrifice yet. Yeah. They just don't understand it. Yeah. And you can't get on them for not understanding sacrifice today for something better tomorrow. If you haven't taught it to them, yep. you know, yep. so it's really important to do that. And uh, I think when coaches focus on these skills, building these skills in our athletes are really going to see a jump in, in program development and team production and, and buy-in and lo- a lot less parent problems for sure.
0: Yeah. So wrapping up here in, in this, and I, and I think this is a great question and I think, I mean, obviously you'll, you'll do a great job of this. And we, we've both been in both roles. Yep. We've both been coaches. We've both been parents. So what do parents want from coaches? And then conversely, what do coaches want from parents?
1: Right, right.
0: Well, uh, we we touched on
1: this briefly. Yep. Parents want to keep their kids emotionally safe. Yeah. And when the kid's sitting on the bench and they're not getting as enough play or as much playing time, or you know, they're whatever it is. Yep. The parents are perceiving that as their child hurting emotionally, yep. and like their their child is feeling like they're not as good as the other kids. Right. And that's how these parents just they come on glue. Yeah. Right. And um, they, they just want their kids to be emotionally safe. And yeah. parents don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. Right. I mean I'll never forget, I'll never forget I was a I pitched think I was a pitcher in college. Yeah. And I was brought onto a team to work with pitchers that my son played on and there was a kid that was grabbing the baseball irresponsibly uh, had an irresponsible grip for a changeup. Yeah. But his dad was also a coach. Yep. I went over to his dad and I said, Hey, I want to talk to you real quick about your son's changeup grip. I'd like to change it, but I want to get your approval first. Yep. And he said, well, why would you want to change it? And I said, because if we don't change it now, he's going to get set back when he gets into high school, because they're not going to let him throw a change up that way. There's no way they're going to do it. Yep. And he said, well, I think that's the way he should throw it. So that's the way I want him to do it. And I said, okay. Yep. If I would have changed that, dad would have been embarrassed. Yep. Right? Now, guess what happened? Kid goes to high school and he he's a great pitcher. Yeah. But he didn't pitch as a freshman because he had to grip, learn how different ball grips and learn how to throw the baseball differently. So yep. um, you know, keeping their kids emotionally safe and and the parents trying to not be embarrassed, I think, are what they want from the coach. Don't emotionally hurt my son and don't embarrass me. Yeah. If the coaches can do that, then the parents are going to be relatively happy. The problem is the parents sometimes think their kids are emotionally hurting and they're not. They get right. their role. They get what's going on. Um, and there's no possible way that a coach is going to, not develop a kid to keep a parent from being in parents. Right. So those are two, that that's, those are two real dicey things, but I think those are the big things, yeah. you know, if, if, develop my kid so he can play. So he doesn't feel bad about himself. And for the love of Pete, do not let him know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, those are two big things. Now from the coach's side, yep. it's just really simple. They want, the parents to support the coach and what the coach is doing yeah they don't want them to you know building you know these these enclaves of angry parents to get them you know right. to yell or do all these different things right yeah um, but the coach has to understand what am i doing as a coach to make sure that they're going to support me right I mean I I can tell you that there is a lot of highly unqualified coaches out there because there's a coaching shortage Mm -hmm. you know every coach wants the parents to think of them as dan gable uh, bill belichick uh, phil jackson yeah but you only competed for two years in high school Mm -hmm. and you haven't coached for six years but you don't have a whatever sport coach and you stepped in to help the kids yeah well that's a hard scenario because the the teacher stepped up has a little bit of a background not an expert but if the co- there's no coach, there's no team, but the parents, you know, Oh, they don't know. Uh, they're, they're fighting the coach. So the coach really has to focus on how do I become an expert um, as fast as possible? How do I make sure I give all the kids everything that they possibly can get? So the parents will support me. Now think about it. If we go back to what the parents want, I don't want my kid emotionally hurt and yep. try not to embarrass me. Well, guess what? If I'm developing the athletes the best I can and getting kids, into the game the best I can and I'm transparent with the parents about what I'm doing and how I'm doing. And then I'm, you know, trying to catch up and I took the job to make sure your kids had a place to play. And that type of thing, the parents generally are okay with that. But when you start trying to hide those things and I'm just this and I'm that, and I'm the coach and you don't question me. And well, you know, that, that wall people start climbing over it. I'm going to come get you. And so, um, you know, really, really buy into the fact that if I am the best developer of talent that I possibly can be, parents are going to buy in and they're going to support me. And that's all coaches really want is parents to support them, not fight them. Right. You know, but you got to be good at your job. you got to be an expert at what you're doing. And I mean, I, I, I go over that time and time and time again in my book. I don't let coaches off the hook. Right. You have to be an expert. If you're going to take the job, You have to develop athletes technically and strategically. So once you take the job, I mean, you better get a coach, you better get a mentor, better do something so that you can really dive into that uh, technique and those tactics and make sure you can get the kids to be the best they can.
0: Yep. I I agree. Well, coach, thanks for being with us. I'll just leave with a closing thought and just some of the things that really stuck out to me in your book um, as well as our conversation today. And, and I and I love that you say it's like just stay in your lane, coaches stay in your lane, parents stay in your lane. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's important. But also know that all both comes with responsibility. Um, yeah. And I and I think for athletic administrators, make sure as an athletic administrator you're providing your coaches with professional development, with resources to advance and grow. I can't tell you how important I believe that is, and not just on the X's and O's. And I coach, I think you would completely agree. It needs to be more about the X's and O's and needs to be about the things we talked about today. Just those soft skills and those things that it's okay to be vulnerable as a coach. It's okay to admit, Hey, I made a mistake. It's okay to tell your kids, Hey, I made a mistake. You know? And I think one thing as a coach, I always tried to do was, Hey, if we win, it's because of our kids. If we lose, it's because I screwed something up.
1: Right. Because I, I
0: think kids at the end of the day, We'll respect that. And also as a coach, it's it's okay. We might might not have made the right decision in the game or We might not have made the right tactical uh, move in a game and, and that happens. And and when we have great athletes, you know, more than more times than enough we might have got out schemed.
1: Yeah, it's um, possible. And that's yeah. why we gotta be experts. Yeah. You know?
0: And and I think if we're not experts and you you made a great point is, you know, we need to, to get there as fast as we can. Right. And or, or at least make every effort we can to be the expert and knowing that we're still going to make mistakes and we're still going to learn and grow. As long as I've been an AD or a coach, I've never felt like I've had it all figured out, you know. So we'll, well. Yeah. And we continue to get better all the time. But you talked about modeling positive behavior. And well, that's with our parents and coaches. And and I you, you mentioned this in the book. And we talked about it a little bit today is just enjoy those moments as a coach and as a parent. Because they go by fast. We do. Uh, it's, it's amazing coach. And I know you know, but my, my son turned 23 yesterday and it just seems like yesterday he was five years old and he looked up to me and he thought I was the biggest thing in the world. Now he looks down at me, he goes, man, dad, you, you're small.
1: Right, you know,
0: <laughs> I got, I got a six, five son. I know
1: I mean? You know, I get it. And I, I do remember, I do remember both my kids, you know, having to tie their baseball shoes and basketball yes. shoes for them. And, you know, now they're both uh, in college and it, it goes by so fast. Yeah. You want to have the greatest experience possible and you can only do that if you have the best environment possible. Yep. And that's what we're trying to create uh, for these kids. And, and that's what i am trying to with the missing link protocol book is create the best environment.
0: Yeah. And, and there's no doubt. And, And and you talk about in the book is just celebrating that effort, you know, have that process really be about what the parents are really pushing to get better. What can we do to get better? And I think those discussions, if you can have a great discussion with your athletic director or coach about that process and how our kids can get better. I think that takes, you know, number one, I know as a parent, we want our kids to be happy, but know they're going to fail. Allow them to own that journey. And you talk about that, allow them to be the, the drive the train. I thought yep. that's a great point. Um, and then you talk about this in the book too, is just treat your coach as an ally, not an adversary. Yes. And I think that's important. And I think that just that, uh, the, you know, a be, uh, coach being transparent and the parents being transparent and the coaches really going into it as treating that coach as an ally versus an adversary, um, makes a big thing. And, we talked about this already, but just love watching your kids play. I right. think that is, uh, you know, whether they're on the bench, try to find joy in something that they do. You know, I know, I know as, as a parent, there's been times where my kids have sat on the bench and my no. kids haven't liked it. Right, and, right. You know, and, and Coach, you'll appreciate this as an old coach. I I'd, I'd look out on the field, and I'm like, well, you know what? They're probably one or two players away from being on that field. Now, what are right. you going to do? You know, I tell my kids, now what are you willing to do now to get better? And here's what your coach said you had to work on. Now to get on the field, you got to go do those things. And that comes back to what you talked about already is like they got to go out and do the work and and then kind of embrace the suck. Right. I know you've said that in the past. Embrace the suck so that they can feel that, you know, they can get to the point where they feel good about what they're doing because they put all that work into it. Uh, if you think about
1: the, the, the child that's independent, resilient, has character, has high self-esteem, good self-discipline, he's yep. working real hard, he's doing the right things, and you as a parent are supporting them in this concept. Yep. You're one play away from being in the game. Yeah. But when you get in the game, you better be ready to show that yep. you should never come off field. I had a coach buddy of mine. I coached with him in Arizona. He coached Brock Purdy. In high oh, school, yeah, and we were talking before Brock ever came here. He said, "Hey, he's looking at Iowa State," and he said something to me five years ago, whatever it was six years ago. He goes, "Just understand this: if Brock Purdy gets on the field, he'll never come off." And that's exactly what that's happened. What happened? Yeah, that's exactly it, what happened. Yeah, but it was because he was ready emotionally. He was ready from a maturity standpoint. He was ready physically, and once he got the opportunity. He put everything into that one performance at that time. So that the coach is like, all right, he's our guy. So, you know, that's the thing you got teach them to be ready. And the coach is going to teach them uh, technically the parents are going to teach them uh, personally. And then when they get in there, they're confident and they're ready to go and they blow it up and they stay on the field and everybody's excited about it. And guess what? If they don't get in the game, you were there with your, your child, you're watching them and, you're going to go get ice cream anyway. Right. <laughs> and if they say something, dad, what do you think about, then you talk to them. If they don't talk about the game, you talk about what kind of ice cream they want.
0: Right. <laughs> when They're ready.
1: Talk to them and right. stay in your lane. You don't got to talk to them technically. Stay. Oh, you were sitting on the bench. You know, what do you think? How, you know, how'd yeah. you feel? That, that's that personal saying really focus on that stuff. Cause that's how they're really going to make that jump and and uh you know i think if we can get athletics back to a focus the coaches doing everything for the athlete the parents are doing everything for the athlete the administrators really doing everything for the coach and the athlete yeah we can get the toxicity out of there and really build something great because here we haven't talked about this i know you we're running out of time but no that's right we the statistics out there on kids that never make it to high school sports like 63 percent of youth sports athletes don't make it to high school sports. Yeah, that's completely true. We're running kids out of sports because of the toxic nature and the landscape that parents and coaches have at the younger ages. Yeah. And if you want your nine-year-old to be playing football at USC, got to play in high school. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. You can't run him out of the game by the time he's 13. Yeah. So parents and coaches have a huge uh, – opportunity in the younger at the younger ages to develop talent and develop personal uh, qualities and traits to give these athletes a shot at reaching their peak potential in high school so that they can't play at the big time next level because here's the thing everybody talks about this well only three percent of the athletes only one percent of the athletes will make it to big time uh, well guess what you know what i do every saturday during football season i watch Thousands of kids play football on TV.
0: Yeah.
1: Why not your kid? Yep. Watch thousands of kids play college baseball on TV. Why not your kid? Yeah. You know, basketball, whatever it is, whatever the sport is, it's not that your kid can't be that, but they got to get developed. They got to yep. stay in it. Yep. And they got to love it. Yeah. They got to love it. If I came to your job and I started screaming at you the way you, some of your parents scream at your kids, you'd call the cops on me, right? <laughs> You know? Right. So we got to make sure they love it. You got to make sure they love it. Coaches got to make sure they love it. And once we build that great and supportive environmental environment and landscape
0: for these kids, man, sky's the limit for these athletes. Yeah. Well, Coach, thank you for being with us today. Uh, again, that Coach Brandt, the missing link protocol, the secret to the coach-parent partnership. Um, if you're a parent, if you're a coach, I encourage you to go out and buy that book. Coach, where where can they get that book at? You
1: can get that at coachbrant.com. It's right there on the homepage at
0: coachbrant.com and uh, put the order in. It'll be to you in just a couple days. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us, coach. Always a pleasure to get to see you. get to talk to you. You bet, my friend. uh, have, Have a great day. Listeners, BTB followers, thanks for being with us again today. We look forward to being with you soon. And as Mr. Gordon always says, be blessed.